Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you're doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Good morning, everybody. Laurie McDougall here with Kayla Solomon. Good morning, Kayla. Good morning, Laurie. Back on coming up for air this morning, our morning. We're going to get right into our topic. And the topic for today is the power of our thoughts, right? How powerful of our our thoughts. And it may be a little bit on the surprising side as to actually how powerful your thoughts are. Kayla, why don't you get started? Why don't you kind of... So basically, as a therapist, the astonishing thing for me is watching how people's thoughts affect absolutely everything about their lives. So there's a couple of ways to think about this. One is there's how your thoughts affect your mood, which affects your behavior. So that, as you could see, is the whole package. That's one aspect. But the other thing is on an energetic level, okay? And and this is more the woo-woo spiritual land and, you know, kind of more physics orientation of thoughts of like, what are you putting out into the world? How are you vibing? And I know this sounds a little bit woo-woo for folks, but it's like, it's kind of like if we're all made out of energy and you're putting something into the world through your thinking, What's the impact? How do other people experience you when you're either vibing in a very positive way or vibing in a very negative, anxious way? It's actually completely connected. So for example, think about the days that you have a good day. I'm I'm gonna give you a perfect example. The other day I took myself on this gorgeous walk. The weather was beautiful. I was like relaxed and having, it wasn't an easy walk, but it was really, I was relaxed and I felt very much present and in the moment and I was not worrying about anything. And I put on music that day. And for some reason, the magic of my mood had the songs that came on were all of my favorite song. And I felt like I was floating and singing and walking and looking at this gorgeousness. And it absolutely shifted my entire day, okay? And what I think that happens with folks is that we don't realize the impact of our thoughts on our, not only ourselves, but on other people. I see you want to say something. Jump in, Laura. I'm just thinking about how, yes, that's absolutely true. And just think about it. You know, you're sitting in the car and you're driving along. You're not particularly feeling up you're not particularly feeling down. You're just kind of driving along in the car. And then all of a sudden, a song that reminds you of better times. I don't know, you're in high school, you know, you're headed over to a friend's house, or you're sitting there with a friend, and the song comes on, and you're just immediately brought back to a time when things were great. And you start singing out loud, and you're dancing in the car. So immediately, without even realizing it, you are being brought back to a time where your mind and your body remembers 
something wonderful connected to this song, right? So it's actually your thoughts. And for that period of time, while you're listening to the song, there's like, it's great joy that you're experiencing, right? right? Great memories. And once the song is over, you kind of go, oh, that was fun. And, and what happens is if you look at what's going on during that time, anybody in your circle at that moment feels this wonderful, joyous or easeful kind of vibration that you're that you're emitting. And so the essential part is to realize that we do the opposite as well. So, for example, let's talk about to me, most negative thoughts involve anxiety. That's just me. It's like something bad's going to happen and I'm thinking about that or something is happening and I'm interpreting it in a way that's very negative. So what happens is when I'm in that state, I start and I can't, I don't know if there's another word, but I am emitting very negative vibes at that moment. I'm anxious. I am not present because anytime you're dealing with any form of anxiety, you are completely checked out of the moment, completely. And that's what people don't realize is that anxiety is not just like I'm preparing for something. It's that you are not there because if you have anxiety, you are in future thinking. Something can happen that's terrible. Something is happening that's terrible. I don't know what it is, but I'm... I'm feeling very disturbed by this. And what happens is because you could have all kinds of terrible things going on. We've all had that where like something horrible happens and you show up and you take care of it. That's not anxiety. That's just showing up and taking care of it. And I think in the same sense that I, you know, uh, talking about like getting in the car and having this experience, you know, a, a song comes on and you get triggered to kind of have these emotions and feelings and remember back when something wonderful happened, that can also happen with negative thoughts. I mean, I don't know about you, but this happens to me. I could just be going along about my day, picking up the house or cleaning up the house. And all of a sudden something triggers me to remember something in the past that was disturbing or was very difficult. And I can literally, my mood changes. I've started crying. You know, I can't believe that. I just remembered that. I can't believe that happened to me. And it could be something that happened to me back in like elementary school. And my mind will just wander and kind of go back and remember all of the details of what happened. And it puts me in a bad mood. And again, there's basically tracks of this. So there's what it does to you which is that you're you're not in the moment. And we talk a lot about being in the moment and really trying to be present with what is. Because truthfully, when you're present with what is, you have a much better ability to handle it. If you're anxious and trying to handle something, it is much harder. Why? Because you're not in the moment, so you're not responding to the immediate cues. You're actually making up stories. And the other thing is that if anybody happens to be pulled into your environment at that moment, they feel your negativity and that is contagious. And so here it is, we're trying to engage with our loved ones and we're anxious and we're worried and we're either giving advice or trying to get people to do something or hear us. And all they're doing at that moment is picking up on our negativity. 
we're not sending out a positive message, even if we are if thinking that we are, because it doesn't matter what the words are. If you're anxious, people are picking up the negativity and it does not help them actually behave well. You know, as far as substance use disorder goes to and dealing with substance use disorder, I think that family members' moods are constantly negative all the time, which makes total sense to me because I often, especially early in my journey, not so much now, not so much over time, although I want to let everybody know, yes, it still comes barreling back at me a lot of the time. But I think when we're early on our journey and we're dealing with substance use disorder, that is our mood. That is where we are all the time, you know, probably because cortisol levels are raised and we're just constantly anxious. And then the cortisol levels don't have enough time to to kind of reduce. And then we find ourselves in a situation where our cortisol level gets raised pretty quickly, immediately. Right. And so we're just in this funk all the time, all the time. And that's absolutely got to be, I, I would say my, in my experience, my mood like that made the entire day tense. It was so tense that it had to be tense for everybody else too. E- everybody. And, and not just my loved one with substance use disorder, but you know, my daughters, my husband, I could even feel that tenseness when I went to social gatherings and I was with other people. I couldn't get myself out of this really intense funk. It, it was really, 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 really hard to deal with. And I, I also think it contributes to the substance use disorder. Yes. Well, and part of what happens is that I like to think about that as dread. Dread is this experience that it's not that something terrible is happening, it's that something terrible is going to happen. So no matter how bad whatever is going on right this moment, something more terrible is going to happen and you are anticipating it. And as I was talking to somebody yesterday, you know, I was raised, my mother's line was expect the worst and hope you're wrong. Okay. And the the idea was that if you expect the worst, then you will somehow be better prepared to handle whatever happens. I then called it optimistic pessimism, which is a complete contradiction. Because if you're a pessimist, then the optimism has no room. It's just you hope that for some reason you're doing something worthy. But really what's happening is if you are a pessimist, if you are in dread, if you are in anxiety, somehow that actually just gets locked in. It doesn't prepare you in any way for what's going to happen because as I like to say, that cortisol that you're talking about, that sense of dread is battery acid to your system. So your system is already drained. It's already corroded. It's already feeling like irritated and disrupted. So you're not in your best self. And so when something bad happens, you're actually operating behind the eight ball. You are not in a good position to respond well. And the irony, and it took me years and years to figure this out because I am somebody who knows anxiety well. What I found is that by being more optimistic and positive, I was actually better able to manage whatever happens and other people responded to me much better. And by the way, 
part of optimism is to not catastrophize. Okay, so even if something bad is going to happen, you just have to have this real clear sense that you will handle it. Not that you can't handle it, but that you can. Oh, I got all these thoughts running around my head. All right. Because I, well, one, I agree with you, but I just had like an epiphany because I'm still having epiphanies on this journey, but I had never heard it described that way to me. I just, uh, I don't even know what you said, but it's, it had never been described to me in that way that even if you just looking at things in a more optimistic way or in a more positive way helps you better handle whatever it is that's coming in front of you, right? Absolutely. Right. And what's interesting is I remember there was a moment in time on my journey where um, it, we are, we were hearing that there may be a pregnancy involved. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners will understand the angst that that can, that can bring on. But someone else asked me and said, well, what if she is pregnant? And I stopped and I looked and I, I can't even explain it to you. And I said, well, we will deal with it. If it happens, we will deal with whatever happens whenever it happens. I'm not going to worry about it right now. I'm just not going to, because as of right now, it hasn't happened. And just thinking about it in the future is just going to make it worse for me. I'm just, and I don't even know if it's happened or not. That's catastrophizing. Catastrophizing is when you go to the worst place and you're already living it right now before it happens. When I did that, it I, I'm telling you, it was a pivotal moment on my journey because I really believed it. When I was talking to this person, I was like, no, it is what it is. I, I don't have any control over it. And it didn't bring me down. I didn't go down this this spiraling pit of, oh my God, if there's a pregnancy, I may have to, you know, I may have to go to court and take a baby away and did it. I, I didn't, I just didn't. I was like, you know what, if I have to do those things, I have to do those things. And that's just, that's just where I'm at. And I'm just going to keep going. But also what I'm finding interesting is that that is exactly what we learn in craft too, right? Craft is all about hey, we've been focused on the negative for such a darn long time that we need to start turning our attention. I'm not, and I'm not saying you disregard the difficult stuff. You, you can't. But I also need to focus on, because there is some positive, some good stuff going on in here. I'm just not focused on it. So let me, let's do a couple of tools here, okay? So- to turn the boat around when you've been anxious and negative and overwhelmed and catastrophizing, it's not a one minute, one day process. It is a practice that you have to engage. Here are some tools to use. Number one is a daily gratitude practice where you are really moving through what you're grateful for, no matter how microscopic it might be. As Maya Angelou said, I'm breathing. I could see, I could walk, I'm alive. You go basic if you have to, if things really feel lousy to you. So that's number one. Number two, my personal favorite is reframing. Reframing basically means that something happens and you retell the story from a, a negative story to a positive one. 
you know, people make fun of me because I do this, like you could tell me anything and I could reframe it. So for example, people walk into my office and they're like, I'm a mess. I've fallen apart. I can't function. You know, my whole life is falling apart. And this is what I say, because I absolutely believe this. When you're in that kind of position where everything falls apart, that means that whatever was working no longer is working. So another tool which is related to all of this is mindfulness, which is finding ways to actually make space, be present in the environment, notice what's around you, slow time down. It could be meditation. It could be that you do anything with full consciousness and presence, and you're not letting your thoughts just take you away so that you're being really present in the moment, whatever that takes. Like, you know, in our group, they talk, somebody's doing this like little art project. Some people are knitting. There's so many things, yoga, but that you're doing something that brings you into the present moment and that's immersive so that you're not distracted and worried about something else. And then the other thing is ways to let go of the negative thoughts. So for example, you know, for some people, there's like um, a negativity box or a higher power box where you literally have a box next to you that if you're worried or if you're anxious about something, you write it down on a piece of paper, you put it in the box and the purpose of the box is to let it go. And that you've said it, you've stated it, you've claimed it, and then you put it in there and now you get to let it go. Or if you're worried about things, what you could do is like, there's the book, The Artist's Way, and they have morning pages where every day you wake up and you do three pages of just spitting all of your thoughts out onto the paper, and then you move on with your day. It's about noticing that you have anxiety or worry or concern or you're distracted, but finding ways to move out of it, to let it go. I used to, when I was in my highest anxiety, what I would do is take a walk and I would say, you're allowed to worry passionately. And I would worry passionately. If this happens and this is going to happen, then this is going to happen for the first part of my walk. And on the way back, I was not allowed to think about it any longer. I had to be present. I had to notice what I saw in front of me. I had to notice my feet. I had to breathe. And breathing exercises are exceptionally important in this process because part of what happens is when you're anxious, your breathing is not good. So any kind of breathing exercises will help you get more in the moment and in your body and not get hijacked. And breathing exercises help with the vagal nerve, right? That vagal nerve that it just calms it down and can bring you a sense of, of calm. I'd like to, one, say that these are actually techniques that I had to use, and I kind of stumbled into them over time. But a lot of what you talked about are things that I did do, and I saw change my view uh, and actually changed how I was feeling about things. And it brought on a, a lot more positive feelings for me. So I did do the gratitude thing before uh, my head hit the pillow. And I just want to let listeners know that I started with really just like what Kayla had said, I started with these really basic things. It was literally, well, he lived another night, <laughs> just that. And I was like, and I am grateful for that. And then after doing that for a little while, I realized, oh my gosh, all I'm grateful for surviving his substance use, but I have other things in my life to be grateful for. In fact, I have daughters and I'm not talking about them 
you know, what a terrible mother. So I have a wonderful husband. I have some great friends. And doing this gratitude thing, I started off with like 10 seconds of things to be to be thankful for. And I ended up with, okay, it's been 10 minutes of you being thankful for things. It's time for you to go to bed and go to sleep. One more tool, which is this other aspect, which is that you have a practice of what is going well in my life? What am I doing well? And again, it's microscopic. It's not gigantic things. And then if things are not going as well, you don't criticize or judge. It's like, how could I do it differently the next time? So that you're, and you're not doing it with a critical voice because also the critical voice is actually deadly. So what you want to start doing is feeding this positive, more encouraging, more hopeful more um, engaging voice as opposed to the critical, judgmental, kind of shooting down kind of voice. Because the way you speak to yourself, the way you engage with yourself is how you're going to be interacting with other people. So you practice on yourself so that when you're engaging with your loved one, you actually have learned how to do this. So they send you something negative And you're able to come back with a calm, neutral, more positive line as opposed to go negative with it. Well, just to kind of kind of get back to it is what that nightly gratitude did for me was I had seen my life as like this file box that I have up in this closet of all these different. Actually, each each file folder has like a person in it and has experiences in life. Or it might have a particular time frame. And up to that point, because of substance use disorder, my file folder was one big black file folder with a whole bunch of little colored ones, tiny slivers of colored ones at the end. And so this big black file folder was all the substance use disorder stuff. And over time, my file folders changed and I had a lot less. My my dark file folder became this tiny little sliver. And I ended up with like yellow and green and red and blue and purple and all these other file folders now. So that the majority was this colorful, bright thing that I started saying, wow, I am really blessed in this life. I am really, really blessed that actually substance use disorder is just a tiny portion of my experience in this world. So it did that for me. It also, also a few other things that I did, I did do the box and the letting go, but I had a few additions onto that. Like I would allow myself to have time to be upset and to to cry or to have ruminating thoughts and to worry. And so it was like, okay, Laurie, how much time out of your day is this particular topic worth you crying and being all upset about or worrying and thinking about it over and over again? And it would be like, okay, you've got 15 minutes. And so I'd be like, okay, go 15 minutes starting now, because at the end of 15 minutes, you are not going to let this continue to take your life over. And then it has to be a hard stop. Yep. And it was. And the other thing is that with all of the things that we're talking about, what you focus on becomes bigger. That's got to be your bottom line. So if you focus on the negative, if you focus on anxiety, if you focus on, oh, something terrible is going to happen and I have to prepare myself or prevent it or avoid it, 
then that becomes your life. And that's all you see. And so what, what we're talking about, all of the tools that we're talking about is you get to have your feelings, you get to have these moments of the difficult stuff, and then you need to put it in its place so that it doesn't consume you. And then you start focusing on the positive and what you just described is the more of a practice that you develop in the positive, the more you bring it to you, the more you see it, the more you notice it, as opposed to just being pulled down and being negative because you're useless from that state. It's exhausting. Right. It is exhausting. And that's exactly what I do. The The other thing I would do, and so I'll just let everybody know, I can't write. So I, I hate writing. I know I write a lot of blog posts for the website, but it's torture for me. And so I'm not going to write three pages. I'll just tell you that. But I will tell you that I have written things out. I have like written out my thoughts and my negative thoughts. I've ranted and raved on paper. And then what I do is I take my paper over to my fireplace and I light it on fire and I'm like, go, it's gone. It's out. It's done. And now I'm going to move on to something else. Also, another thing, I'd like to add a couple of things in there. Another thing, I do think it's really important to recognize these anxieties and to, to recognize what you're feeling and what your thoughts are. But oftentimes, um, we can get stuck there and don't know what to do with it afterwards. So go ahead and recognize them. Oh, I'm feeling anxiety and there is a purpose for anxiety. Or, oh, I'm feeling I could, you know, I could go punch a wall. Well, there's a reason why you're feeling that angry and that anxious and that frustrated. Go ahead, feel it, think it, recognize it, but don't just recognize it. <laughs> you've got to do something after you've recognized it and, and you're acknowledging it. So that's when I think bringing in, I call it bringing in alternative thoughts. And maybe this is the same thing as reframing, like what you were talking about. It means I start to consider Am I on the right track or are there other things that might possibly be going on here? And I'm just not seeing that. So I also feel that it's so important to go digging and searching for the positive if I'm so enmeshed and mired in the negative. So what I mean by that is, let's say my loved one is is saying, I can't take it anymore and I'm, you know, I'm going to go and use. Okay, I'm going to acknowledge that. Oh. I'm feeling really anxious right now and I'm grasping at uh, how can I stop him? How can I make him stop? How can I convince him that he shouldn't do that? How can I convince him that this would be a horrible thing for him to do? I'm going to acknowledge it. Okay, I'm going to take a break. Okay, but now I'm going to start thinking, well, what's positive about this situation? And you know what's positive? Now, in the past, I wouldn't have thought about this. I, would, I wouldn't do that. I would just kind of let it take me over. I'd grab him by the ankles. Don't, don't go, don't do it. You know, don't. Instead, now I'm like, he shared this with me. He shared this with me. Wow, that's a real positive. I don't have control over this other stuff, but what I do have control over is myself and my response to him. So now how can I respond to him in a way that is gonna let him know I'm here? Okay, yep. Keep telling me more. I want to know more. And and in my own head, I'm like, Laurie, I know you're I know you're you're full of anxiety, 
but just go with it and listen to him and stop trying to listen to yourself. Stop trying to send yourself out into the world and just listen to what this person is saying to you. I think what matters, and then we're going to have to stop, I realize, but what you're saying is that what anxiety is, is it's like, oh my God, something terrible is happening and I need to do something about it. And so the anxiety is, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And what you just described is, if somebody tells you something that elicits anxiety, one of the best tools that you have is to just listen. And that is a massive doing. You're listening clearly. You're not jumping in. You're not intervening. You're not telling them what to do. You're not giving them advice. You're just openly, actively listening, which is a different podcast, but you're you're allowing them to speak and you're holding the space for them. And that counts as a positive. And that's all it is. That's a doing. So, and I want to add, I just want to add two more pieces in here. And a doing is finding the positive in the situation. There is always, always something positive going on here. I just may have to point it out to myself and find it. So go digging and look for the positive. And then the other piece that I think is really important is through all of this interaction, through all of this stuff, I often think that on the other side of it, go and do something for yourself that will make yourself feel good immediately. Get out there, go for a walk, put on some music that you enjoy. Think the senses see something, smell something, touch something, or have something touch you, right? Do all of these things, taste something, do all of these things that are going to make you feel pleasure in some way. Go make yourself a beautiful dinner, go out to eat, get some incense going, do anything that just makes you feel or helps you to feel some pleasure so that it's a pleasurable experience at the end of the experience. Pay attention to your senses because you could do, you could have a beautiful meal, but if you don't slow down to taste it, you've just wasted your time. Yep. So the idea of checking in with your senses is that you're actually tuning into that, which takes you out of your thoughts. Awesome. Okay, Kayla, great conversation. How do you deal with dreadful thoughts? Just really quickly, what I would say is that your thoughts have power. Anxiety is a thought process. All the tools that we just talked about is how to shift from negative thinking to positive thinking and the power that you take and that you emanate when you're back in positive thinking and how essential it is to the, all of the process of craft. Awesome. Thank you. And I just want to remind our listeners that we have a 10-day challenge going on. So if you do half of the modules in a period of 10 days, you get a free training, a five-hour, one-day training that typically costs about $250, but you're going to get it for free. So thank you, Kayla, and um, we will talk again next week. We will. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.